When looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Well, excuse me! Looking for good ideas for life? You're far from good hands. Hey, bud, what's your problem? If you think the listener is always right, you're far from the right place. Out of order! Even in the future, nothing works! Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, but a rebel by choice. Are you threatening me? If you want a host that floats between love and madness, and we know the night is always gonna be here anyway. Thinking of you's working up my appetite, looking forward to a little afternoon delight. Then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. All right, guys, uh, listen to the blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? Warning, creators of this game do understand the subject matter may be offensive to some, but they do honor the families and people that have been affected by these real-life tragedies that these individuals have caused. Wanna play a game? Oh yeah! Lover of true crime? Yes, yes, yes. Well, we got an interesting game for you to check out. Wow. With the mashup of influences such as horror movies, collecting cards, and RPGs. What? Led to giving birth to an incredible creation of this game. Killers, the card game. You are all my children now. This game is a collectible trading card game featuring some of the most infamous killers with tidbits of trivia on the back of each card to help you learn some insight to each criminal. Who the hell are you? Let's not forget, during the game, cops will be chasing you and these criminals. I'm a cop, you idiot! However, check out their website listed through all social media today, which can be found under Killers, the card game. Am I on the internet? I want to play a game. Hello out there, my name is Adam Steyer, director and producer of films such as Fang and the Rific Evil Monsters. You're here listening to Crazy Train Radio. your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this next guest is a very accomplished independent director so far, 
having multiple projects out, such as Grim Beginning, The Horrific Mo Evil Monsters, Homicidal Vengeance, Fang, and other projects. And there's actually something I was reading, because we know everything on the internet is true. A spinoff of A Grim Becoming, but we'll get into that. Adam Sturgeon, how are you doing? Good, 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 good. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. And uh, so first and foremost, you know, we're, I guess, past that point, but I'm going to ask anyway, how was your holidays and all that fun stuff? Holidays were good, busy as always. You know how it goes around this time of yeah. year. You get busy, and then uh, you eat a lot, and then you you have a, a lot of festivities around the home. So, yeah, we we was uh, it was busy, but also quiet too. We didn't do a lot of family things this year, so it was very quiet. Just me and my wife and our animals. Right on. Now, are you by chance still in Buffalo in that area? Because I, from what I read, you are or were based from the Buffalo area, so. Yes. Yeah. I, I live in, uh, born and raised here. Uh, I live in Buffalo, New York. And uh, yeah, I actually live in a suburb of Buffalo, but we are still considered Buffalo, of course. Uh, so yeah. 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 Well, the reason I ask that is because two things. And recently you had a hell of a time with weather, a couple of blizzards back to back. Yeah. As that truck goes off out, outside. You know, you get that for free, folks. So the other is, obviously, people know from a couple of weeks ago, the Monday Night Football incident with the local Bills player. So yeah. what was yeah. that like? I know we're not here to talk sports, but what was that like from a local perspective? From a local perspective, I would say it was very much... Um... It was very community, community, communitively oriented. And what I mean by that is um, a lot of people were coming together for him and supporting the cause uh, that he represented. And uh, that brought a lot of the community together. So I, I don't, I, you know, I hate to wish ill health on anybody because that's just, you know, I don't do that. But um, it definitely brought a lot of people together that may not have been together at such a weird time in history. Exactly, because it's such a, not just political, but personal, religious, you know, all the different aspects. Everything. Yeah. Everybody's, buddy, everybody's been button heads on a lot of yeah. different things. So it's, like you said, it's don't wish ill on anybody, but if, any if anything good, good came out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, well, obviously you have many different projects and such and i mentioned this spin-off series a grim mini series was that yeah. did i read that right that's based off the movie and what can you tell me about that yeah a grim mini series final fracture is actually um like a halfway point between uh, a variety of our films all of our films connect in one form or another but um, you don't need to see the other ones to enjoy the one that you're watching. But if you do look at those things, you'll be able to notice a variety of things. And the miniseries kind of brings in the history of all the stories that we've been telling. And uh, it's very unique because I, I believe that is my favorite uh, in, incartation, incantation. Is that how you phrase it? Or the, fav the my favorite um, design of the Grim Reaper character out of our series. But after that film, he goes into the horrific evil monsters. Right on. And like you were saying about 
creating things that connect. I believe I heard you use the term of goreverse. So yes, how would you de- right. how would you describe the that verse for the those who, is, who haven't seen what you've done? Sure. sure. Goreverse is a collection of several films. You got aliens, you got uh, zombies, you have Grim Reapers, you have uh uh aliens, um, and base serial killers. I don't want to forget about those ghosts who are out there somewhere, but uh, yeah, all the like I said before, the stories connect, and we un, we have the title of the Gorvers, kind of putting in our own little spin on it. We've been working on the Gorvers for since 2008, so there's over 16 projects that all connect in one form or another to the Gorvers. So if you like one, you'll enjoy the next. Um, Homicidal Vengeance being a unique spinoff because it is more like action based uh, versus monster, but it's it's a fun ride if you haven't seen it. Right on. And I'm curious to know because, and we kind of hinted at it with the talking about Mr. Hanlon, the Bills player, but what's it like for you as a creator? Because A, folks are so desensitized, but also in some aspects, we still have the PC culture about things. So Mm -hmm. what's it like from a creative aspect? It's it's a challenge because every couple of years you make I've been doing this since like 2008 straight. And every couple of years, you, you know, you, the next project comes up, you have to become either a little more PG over here or you have to adjust your script to fit a, a narrative to society in one respect. But you still want to be true to what your beliefs and your values are. So that's what I try to do with anything that I you know, put my name on is I always try to make sure my beliefs are very much uh, in the forefront. And, um, you know, there's no sugarcoating it. I I have my own beliefs on a variety of different things, not just political, but, you know, uh, creatively. Uh, I like a lot of vibrant colors where a lot of people like horror movies to be grim and dark. So, I mean, it just depends on what the genre is, but we all have our opinions. We're all entitled to those. And I, I think, the nature of it all, though, is where do we go being that we are so desensitized? How can you make or shock somebody in a way that, uh, you know, you haven't done before? And to me, I've always looked for unique opportunities to um, tell my stories. The last film, the main, the main feature I did was The Rific Evil Monsters. That featured or focused on a variety of monster characters. Now, why did I do that? It's because it got the attention of people, um, you know, audience goers. And, uh, you know, when you're an indie guy, that is the probably the most important thing is you have to find some type of tag. Um, so to answer your question in a nutshell, I don't know if we're ever going to be uh, able to go back in some respects, but there's always going to be somebody out there that is going to enjoy really grungy type horror or uh, science fiction. Well, speaking of that, and I know it wasn't your project, but what I really think kicked the door down recently was terrifier too from not only an independent perspective but the gore aspect and all the different aspects most horror fans or a lot of horror fans like so i think it opens the door for independent artists as well not only because of the success but it had the success during a point in time of the pc culture so do you think it actually helps you with a project like that being so successful? Well, you know what? Terrifier is a unique film. 
And it had the right uh, people pushing that title. So the right eyes got on it. You know, a lot of people nowadays are looking for the next big horror film that is unique, isn't something that we haven't already seen before. And that's what Terrifier did. And um, it, it's so great to see that spark in the community again, because now it may flourish other types of horror films to get made that may have never gotten made prior. Well, your style of what you do, how do you think it will help you from what we see at this point? Um, you know, I don't know, to be honest with you, how it's going to reflect on my films yet. Um, I'm trying to go back to more science fiction with my next project, another alien style film. Um, and I like the grossness. Uh, I made a film called Fang a couple of years ago, and it was so just the opening scene is just a grotesque, disgusting thing. I remember being in the theater watching people actually leave because they couldn't stomach the uh, the the scene. And it was only a couple minutes in. So that was a really great honor. But uh, I mean, if you look at it like an honor, that is. But um, yeah, you know, I'm not sure yet. I, there's a lot of people out there that really, really like that grungy, over the top, blood guts uh, type of horror. And I think what that does, uh, that film did, is it's uh, re-sparking interest into that genre again, maybe putting a little new light or fire uh, where a fire may be needed. Absolutely. And we were talking about the process of everything. So from your aspect, what do you enjoy in doing in terms of putting the process together from putting pen to paper to a final product because there's a lot in between obviously oh yeah oh yeah you know you know what's so unique is um whenever you see if you write you know you you take a pen out you start writing a concept you never know what that concept is going to look like on on the actual big screen but when you do see it for the first time and you see actually people watching it it's like a high i could never explain to you um, I've had almost every single film except my last one, which is the mini series that we had stream uh, specifically for YouTube. And now it is a full feature on a variety of different services like Tubi and, and, and um, Plex and all that. But you can um, you can tell that an audience likes a scene or doesn't like a scene or something works or something didn't work that now is really working. So you take notice of all these. But I think the biggest moment in my life would be when I sit in the front of the theater, because I always sit in the very first seats or the very last seats, depending on what I'm looking for in an audience. But um, I think it's when I sit to the front of the row, front row, and I'm saying to myself, can I walk past these people? <laughs> you know, if I can walk past the group of people that just saw my film, I feel like I can uh, I can accomplish something. I, I've accomplished something, I should say. And what I just what I mean by that is um either so much goes into filmmaking my favorite part is marketing i think that's what brought your question on initially is marketing all the projects and um i will say that uh that that vibe that high you get i it just can't be described any more than that but that is that is what i look forward to the most and it's interesting with that because there's two different aspects to things when it comes to entertainment that i look at there is the entertainment you would see, whether it be on TV, YouTube, streaming services, whether it be Apple or Tubi or Peacock or whoever. You know, the different services, Netflix, 
But then there's the aspect of live live, whether it be a sporting event, a live theater show, play, musical, et cetera, professional wrestling, whatever. Where In the live aspect, the live live aspect of that stuff, you get a reaction from the crowd, whether good, bad, indifferent. They're liking what you do or they don't like what you do. Mm -hmm. And with the first part there, whether it be something you see, TV, movie, streaming, etc., you don't get the initial reaction because that's absolutely true. Yeah. You don't have the where you put the pen to paper and then you have a final product for shits and giggles. Let's say that's maybe a year to year and a half. From start to finish, depending on financing, all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. So so you don't get an initial reaction to, hey, how's my project going to be? Whether it's a TV show, streaming, whatever the case is. Does that wear on you because you don't get an immediate reaction to what you have, whatever form that project's on? You know what? I'm glad you asked that question because I have often thought about that. Um, I did the Rificule Monsters, which was a feature film. And when I did that film, we did it, we released it into a theater. And then after that film came out during, you know, the next big thing was COVID, uh, the COVID hit. And we had to figure out what we could do if we could even do a project uh, going forward. So we developed this mini series. And yeah, you know what? It's a much more rewarding feeling to be in the theater and to get the audience reaction to know if you're doing something right or wrong versus a a, a thumbs up or a like or a heart or whatever you know whatever it may be i think it's more i don't want it to sound too egotistical because it's not it doesn't mean you know it's not an ego flare it's a it's a did i do right i spent three years working on a project did that pay off you know what i mean like this is the big victory does it pay off does it hit does it sit well with the audience and there's just a lot of thought behind it well with that being said how do you then take that reaction after the one two three years whatever the particular project is you're working on and you get a reaction whether it's the social media reaction or in theater or whatever avenue people see it and digest what you did. How do you then take the reaction to either improve on the next project or, you know, make changes or do whatever you take that response and then do whatever you think is right. Yeah. That's another good point. You know, um, a lot of times I looked at in the earlier films, it was, can I get my film into a theater? All right, I got my film into a theater. Now, can I get my film on a DVD? Okay, I got my film on a DVD. Now, can I get my film into some type of streaming platform? Can I be on Netflix? Can I do? Can I be in stores? Like, it's a progressive growth with it. And every time you go to the theater to showcase your art, you have to take a moment and like really process all the responses. And that goes back to why I like to either sit in the front of the theater or the back of the theater. Because in the front of the theater you get a different interpretation of what moviegoers get. So you don't see the audience. You just see the screen. And then behind you is all the noise, where at the back of the screen or the back of the theater, you're watching everybody watch your film and you're getting visual uh, responses. So 
like normally I do three screenings for any type of release locally when we do a premiere weekend. And when that happens, uh, I, I sit in all different positions, normally the front or back, or maybe I'll even sit in the middle, depending on the screening. Uh, but I like to get everybody's reaction to it so that I can improve myself as an artist. Right on. And an interesting point with this is, again, everything on. Well, you know, before I go into what I was just thinking, ADHD kicking in here. It's all good. Would, would you clarify something that I read? Would you consider yourself a magician with the creative outlet that you do? Yes. Um, yes, I would say I'm a magician. I like to think of a good horror filmmaker is a magician because if you can leave the theater and say, wow, that was a cool effect. That's what makes a good horror director is you were able to pull off a magic trick. If they go home and they say, oh, that, that shit sucked. Um, you know, we could see where the squid, the squid line was, or we could see the makeup, uh, you know, flaking off or whatever it is, you know, now, you know, you weren't successful in that, but yeah, I try to be the biggest or the best magician I could be in creating some type of horror element when anybody sees my work. Well, speaking of that, before I go back to the point I was thinking about is being an independent artist, how do you get the most bang for your buck? Because it's not like all your projects are working with $50 million budgets. Yeah, I would say how I get um, the most bang for my buck is I look at the things that are going to sell the project. I look first off to see if uh, the visuals are going to be catching enough for people to want to watch that work. Then I look at wardrobes. I think all wardrobes need to be very authentic, and I like very vibrant style wardrobes, very um, bright colors, almost comic book feeling. And then um, lastly, it comes down to you know just the the uh, the writing of it all. Uh, those are so such important facts to make something very successful. Um, those are the elements that I always look for uh, in marketing. Lastly, I would say is marketing because. If you can have a good marketing strategy for any project, you will go very far. And uh, one of the films I would say that I did very well on, not specifically me, but me uh, as the director and our team of people, um, we were really able to accomplish something with Fang because when that film started hitting the circulation, it won uh, over 12 or 13 awards, uh, multiple best films, um, and it got a lot of buzz out there. So uh, we had a lot of we had a lot of buildup for that type of film, but it goes all back to what do we look at? What is the uniqueness of the story we're trying to tell? And if the story is kind of like, eh, we've seen that before, what can we do as an indie artist to bring something new to the table with that same concept? And that's you know a variety of things we look at. Right on. Well, speaking of that, with your entertainment dollar, when whether you go to a sporting event, a movie, theater, live theater, streaming, whatever the case is, where does Adam's Entertainment Dollar go? Are you a movie guy? Uh, and what kind of style of entertainment do you look for in particular? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, I, I do go to films quite a bit. I was a big um, advocate for the Justice League, most recent. Uh, I'm a big Marvel fan. I think everybody has to be in some respect. Um, but um, 
besides that, you know, my my dollars go to YouTube, to be honest with you. Nowadays, I you can buy the premium app for YouTube, and that's where my money would go, would be into that uh, platform. But uh, movies, I don't think I'm going to be supporting the DC brand anytime soon, but um, any further, I should say. But um, besides that, um, I guess Marvel is my ticket right now. I guess, and we don't have to get into it totally, but would that be because of the, again, everything on the internet is true, that hubbub about the whole Black Adam stuff? Well, you know, it's not just Black Adam's. I've been with um, been trying to follow a cohesive storyline for um, their version of the universe for a long time since Man of Steel came out. And, you know, Christopher Nolan's films, too. And I was a big Batman fan when I was a kid. So to see what they were doing and then James Gunn comes in and he just like says, you know what, we're going to scrap every single thing and we're going to start new without really there being any a closure be a, a developed full story. I mean, you have good casts. Why are they recasting them? I'll tell you why. It's because they got to cut the money. Warner Brothers is a terrible, and I do mean terrible company. I would, you know, I I did the Warner Brothers uh, tour once, and we were able to see all like the Batmobiles and all that. That's cool. But at the end of the day, um, you know what? I try not to support that brand anymore. They're um, they're just so toxic and they do not give a shit. Pardon me for saying it that way about their fans. Um, but y- you know what? Black Adam, it was not my favorite film. Um, you know, I would not recommend it to a lot of people, but it had Henry Cavill in it. And I was a very big, exciting person to the ha- Henry Cavill era of Superman. And I think they did him wrong. I think they did that universe wrong. And I think they're making a big mistake. Okay, Sorry to, to get me on that that high horse on that one. No, no, it's fine. I'm not much of a comic or a Marvel or DC side of things. Yeah, I'm not a fan per se. But I remember reading about the Black Adam, and actually, I, you know, have a copy of it to watch, and also. But that's what I was thinking. Everything you we hear online, we know that's true. But mm. the original point I was actually going to go to a few minutes ago was. Yeah. You have a lovely wife, Kristen, who is a producer and casting director in the entertainment field herself. So what I was thinking about was, A, she gets the business, I would think, whether it's on an independent or big level. In some form or fashion, she gets it. So can we keep work and home life separate? In terms of, because sometimes it can be murky when we work in the same industry as our partner. Yeah, I would say um, there's a good example of this. When I was making the Horrific Evil Monsters, uh, she was the first time she was ever being an assistant director. And I was very upset with something. And unfortunately, as the director, the first person always to get take, you know, that abuse per se taken out is the assistant, the first assistant director. And she was in that role. And before we had gone to set, before we started shooting the film, there was an agreement made between her and I that anything that's said during filmmaking is just that. It's just said during filmmaking, and we're going to move on, not take it personal on either end. Uh, it was kind of like my get out of jail free card that I was uh, that I <laughs> that I got. 
but um yeah she she and i both agreed to that and we try to leave it off the table as much as possible but like pre-production for a film is harder than shooting a film uh a lot of times we just are always working every day something needs to be done and that can drain on a, a family lifestyle but uh overall she's very nurturing and uh supportive of what i do so yeah, I, I can't uh, I can't say anything bad about her when it comes to any of that, but uh, we work it out. Well, that's good that we're able to separate, you know, because that's such a fine line that, like you said, there was she may have caught the brunt, the brunt of something on set, but then it was like in the car going home or to the hotel or whatever the case is. It's like, wait, didn't we just have this, you know? Yeah. Argument for whatever the reason was or, you know. Well, we rode, we had rode with people that day too to set. And because uh, it was a very isolated location, no one wanted to ride back with us because they all thought we were going to get into an argument. And we didn't. We didn't even talk about it. But um, it was unique because everybody thought that we were going to be yelling and screaming. They didn't want to be stuck in the car with us. <laughs> yeah. Well, Speaking of projects, and I'm going to wrap with this because I think it's an interesting point. And I don't know how often it happens. You hear scuttlebutt about it, but everybody has their different stories. Have you had any projects get close to being complete, but maybe say die on the vine? Yes. I think every artist at one point or another goes through that little uh, spiel. There was a film, uh, A Grim Becoming. Uh, actually, we were in talks with some of the the cast to return for a film called Meet the Loonies, which would be a spinoff of A Grim Becoming. And the film actually was written. It was fully funded. However, one of the lead actors we were trying, we had actually written the script for, um, decided at the last minute that the amount of money that we were going to propose to them was not enough. So we ended up uh, pulling the plug. And just you scrapping that film and it ended up becoming part of Fang and another film. I can't recall what the other film was, but um, most there's a big chunk of it that was written into to Fang. So it was rewritten into another film. But with that being said, what's that like for you that we're this close, but yet as far away? Yeah. Well, it's hard as an indie guy to get funding. And that project alone was budgeted for twenty five thousand. And it actually had raised the entire $25,000 budget. So we actually had the money um, and it was basically signed just about everywhere. However, um, once I started finding out that the the one actor was uh, not happy with some of it, we started having issues, I would say, uh, and we just canceled it. And it was very hard because when you go and ask somebody for money or you go to a producer and say, hey, I need I need this amount of money to make a film – um they're expecting something so that doesn't look good at a on my track record uh thankfully over the years i've recovered from it but it's still not a good look you don't want to do that if you don't have to uh you don't want to start something and be all the way at the finish line i mean we went so far as i mean we had already cast almost a bulk of the film not everybody was signed yet and the locations weren't secure but you know it came down to the main actor just uh you know you didn't like the story or maybe they didn't like, I mean, I don't know. I don't really remember what the issue was, but it was very heartbreaking. So the obvious question to wrap officially is yeah. what is next for you? 
Uh, right now, I've been writing another film uh, called Ambus Alien Awakening, which is going to be a sequel. It's actually my first full sequel I've ever done to probably my most successful film uh, next to Prisoners of the Dead called Ambus Alien Invasion. And uh, that film is going to be a, like a, like one of my final pieces I'm going to direct. Um, it's not the final project, but it is one of the final projects I am going to probably have my name attached to as a director. And it's going to be a science fiction uh, in the vein of Independence Day, The Blob, all that fun stuff that you may have grown up on in the 80s and in the early 90s. That's what we're going to try and bring back and uh, bring the grossness back to the alien uh, style of storytelling. So I'm excited about that. I don't know if that will ever happen for sure, but I can tell you that the script is more than halfway written. It's a really good script. Um, there has been some CGI concept pieces um, already done for the project, and they look beautiful. Um, so I'm excited about that. I also am working on a book. So that's going to be a couple year project and it's going to be featuring about directing and it's going to be like there's going to be photos and stuff in it. So how like a how to guide almost. And then lastly, uh, the thing that I have somewhere in my uh, arsenal of things I want to do um, is a documentary series uh, many years from now uh, on my uh, filmmaking career because I've been doing it solid since 2008. So I've been talking to another producer and I'm looking at signing on to a project about that, you know, uh, indie horror filmmaker type of story where we just look at a lot of the archive um, footage with new interviews and stuff and tell stories about the film. So I'm looking forward to that happening. Uh, that will definitely happen, I'm sure, at some point. But uh, yeah, Ambus is my next focus is to go back and uh, go to, back to the story that made me most well-known in the Buffalo area, which is Ambus Alien Invasion. Well, is there a reason that you were looking to retract from directing? Um, yes. Well, there's a couple of reasons. First off, um, when I started doing films, I was uh, in my early teens, but I didn't take it serious until 2008. And then like every year I was either directing or producing or I was on set of somebody else's film for multiple years in a row. And that 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 puts a strain on people. Um, then we had the issue with the most recent political climate that has caused such big separations and divisions in different people and factions that sometimes it's not even fun to be around uh, people. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't mean that with any disrespect to anybody. It's just um, I have the way I like to live. You have the way you like to live. And I want to do a story, but I don't want to have the political baggage. And I don't mean that just as like governmental i'm talking political in the sense of filmmaking political you know when you're directing a film you have to make the actor feel like they are you know the next big thing um next to whatever what you know compare it to and that is because you need to make sure that you build your actor while you're telling your story so if you don't connect with that and the actor just shows up to set one day just reading a script then you're never going to be able to have the same level and connection. Sometimes as a director, I have to go in and I don't want to use the phrase befriend, but I'll say get close with an actor, get, you know, learn their techniques, learn how the person reacts to me so that I can go in and tell the best story I can with the actor. So that is mainly the biggest things um, is just, you know, uh, I think I've gotten a little exhausted around I used to do cons, film cons, a couple of years ago. 
Uh, I did quite a few of those. Uh, they got exhausting because I had to travel a lot. You know, that's the other thing with filmmaking is you travel a lot too. Like I've gone back and forth to California before for a variety of things, festivals and, you know, uh, filming and all that. Um, it's just, it's, it's hard. Uh, I don't want to say that I'm going to completely leave the industry because there's a lot of good I still have to offer. You know, I was 21 when I really started taking this all to seriousness. And then in 2008, um, I really was like first film. And then every single year, all the way till now, I mean, I'm 36 and I've done multiple features more than anybody, not, not more than anybody, more than a lot of artists have done in their career. And the question has to be proposed um, at what time or what point have I told enough stories? Do I go out on a high? Do I go out on a low? Or do I end up becoming in the recycle bin of the DVDs? And I don't want to be that guy, you know? And um, so uh, the future is bright, of course. I'm still young. And I'm saying not saying that filmmaking's done. It's just where my ability shines is telling a story. And I get tired of the producing element and the location finding and all that. It's just very hard on a person. When you make a film, it's a, it's a, like a dedication to do it right. Where do I best sit or where do I best put myself, you know, and that that's where I look at. We'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah. um, that's some of the big things that I I'm really turned off with right now is just how much work and politics goes into making a film be successful. I just I don't know if I have the energy doing it as many times as I have. I just I don't know if I can continue to just put out that energy year after year. It just is a lot of work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And even doing something like this, people don't realize the little details you have to look into. Yeah. But Adam, thank you so much for the time. Of course. Anytime. I enjoyed the time uh, and the questions. They're very unique. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any of the films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Hey y'all, this is Adam Marcus, writer and director of Jason Goes to Hell and Secret Santa, and you are taking a ride on Crazy Train Radio. Badass.